Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012? Does that sound right? Yeah, October 24th, 2012. Huh. And it's now July 24th, 2016. Huh. For some reason, that was weird coming out of my mouth today. I do this intro every damn day when I do this podcast, and for whatever reason, it stumbled out of my mouth. I was on autopilot, and for whatever reason, there was a toll booth I had to go through. Who knew? I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Detroit Tigers pitcher Dan Petrie, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Why I went Petri Day? Not 100% sure. Hey, um, this is going to be one of those podcasts where I, I break it up through the course of the episode because there's something going on. You already know what happened. You're listening to me right now. You're listening to Sully of the Past. Well, it was announced today that Chris Sale was scratched from his start. And it was a strange scratching of the start. I think we've all had a strange scratching of the start at one point or another because it apparently was not for a physical reason. It was a non-physical incident in the clubhouse. Apparently it was a metaphysical incident. I don't know. Maybe Chris Sale split the time-space continuum. He went into a bizarro netherworld. Maybe the clubhouse led to Narnia. We're not sure. You already know. I don't know. There are rumors going about, uh, and of course, and, and this is a stupid thing, that there are people on Twitter who create fake accounts with real writers' names on. So like, you know, Ken Rosenthal or uh, Buster Olney, someone who really would have a scoop, and they create a fake Buster Olney account or a fake Ken Rosenthal account, and they'll like have one letter slightly different. So if you're just looking at it quickly, like just spam. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a, real, that's a real tweet from... Uh, Rosenthal said, well, sales traded to the Rangers or, you know, this big trades happened to Toronto or whatever it is. And I don't understand the value of that. Like if I tweeted something, it gets a lot of people retweeting it. Then I get the credit for the tweet. But if you're going to be just someone who's being a fake Ken Rosenthal, A, people eventually go, oh, it's BS. And also, what, what do you gain from it? So something weird is going on. Something new is coming to town. I do not know if George the Milkman is coming around. And if you got that reference, please tweet at me what that reference was on the uh, Sully Baseball on Twitter. Uh-oh, something's going on here. Source, I don't know what that means. Sale had a temper tantrum, and he forced the White Sox hand forced to be sent home due to his behavior. I don't know what to believe anymore. I really don't know what to believe. I mean, I could I could read that Chris Sale wanted to go see the new Ghostbusters film. I don't know. I'll believe it when the non-fake Ken Rosenthal says something. We're living in a strange world, folks. So I will try to hopefully find out what happens when we find out what the hell is going on with Chris Sale. Hey, it's Sunday. Oh, and do you know what it also is today? It's today is the day that... Um, Mike Piazza and 
Ken Griffey Jr. get inducted to Baseball's Hall of Fame. I think that's great. Ken Griffey Jr. is one of my maybe two, three favorite players of all time. When asked who's your favorite player of all time, it, there, there have probably been days I have said Ken Griffey Jr. Um, I probably say more often than not uh, Pedro Martinez. But certainly my favorite player who never played for the Red Sox is Ken Griffey Jr., who was cool to me when he was when I met him when he must have been 18, 19 years old playing for the San Bernardino Spirit. I followed his career so closely, one of the great players of all time, uh, and whose career had a traditional parabola of when a body starts to break down. Uh, 13-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove winner, uh, 630 home runs, of which there's not been a sniff of controversy about it. 2,781 hits. Oh, man, if he just wasn't, if he didn't get all those injuries in Cincinnati, you know, he probably an extra 50 hits there, extra 50 hits there, he would have been a 3,000-hit guy. But, man, and another thing which is telling, he had 246 career intentional walks. Nearly 250 times in his career, the opposing pitcher said, no, no, I pass. I'd rather you be on first. So, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. That's a wonderful thing. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, if you're, and Mike Piazza, who I'm a big fan of as well, slightly more controversial pick, but uh, not for me. To me, he's an absolute Hall of Famer, and I'm glad, he, I'm glad he's in. I know it was his third time on the ballot. Um, I think it was his third time, third or fourth time, whatever it was, time on the ballot. It was uh, No one's going to remember how many times it took. Congratulations. Next year, we have the, the new class members, you know, you know Pudge Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there are some uh, blemishes uh, that are going to be on their ballots. I just wish they would just clean house, you know, put Bonds, put Clemens, put Mucina, put Schilling, put, you know, you have to put Tim Raines in. Um, just, I will have a huge class next year. Let's just start clearing the decks. But start making your picks now, baseball writers. Start really thinking it through. Look at your look at your ballot. Who are the names you're going to put on there? Are we really going to continue messing around with Bonds and Clemens? I wish Mattingly would take my advice and put Bonds in for one game and take him off the ballot for a bunch of years because I really think that eventually we're going to open up. But, like, come on. How hard is it to say, okay, is Tim Raines going to get in? And I actually think Tim Raines is going to get in for this reason. Um, I think the the embargo on Bonds and Clemens is going to continue. I think Schilling who I would vote into the Hall of Fame, has been shooting himself in the foot off the field, but I don't think that should keep him out of the Hall of Fame. I think people are warming up to the idea of Mussina, but are not quite there yet. I think people aren't quite there yet with Bagwell, and he has a few more years left on there. I think that in, with the first-timers, Ramirez and Rodriguez are not going to get in on this ballot. And I don't think Vlad Guerrero will either, even though I think he's a Hall of Famer as well. I'm a very lenient Hall of Fame voter, but I, you know, I have no problem with Guerrero. I think the fact that there isn't that overwhelming Ken Griffey Jr., Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson on this ballot for the first time, I think that's going to get enough people voting for Mr. Tim Raines. So start thinking about that. It's, it is Sunday as well. Uh, I have yet to, I have no new news right now on Chris Sale. I'll probably finish with that. And I'm going to talk about this, the Sunday request. I have a bunch, I have backlog Sunday requests. 
I've got a bunch of them, and I got to catch up with them. I may sit down one of these days and, and bang out like four or five of them, and free up my Sundays for the rest of August. Um, or maybe, maybe what I'll do because some of them are are, are kind of evergreen. Maybe I'll bang them out right now, and I'll get my November and December taken care of. Get some Christmas shopping done. Who knows? This one though is a little more timely, and it's from one of my listeners. Uh, David, I'm gonna if I butcher your name, uh, forgive me. David part, I think I got that part down. Renard, David Renard, Renard at DRAN 1984. Sully Baseball, that's me, Sunday Request. Why do you think the Orioles constantly get overlooked by the national media? They're a legit contender. Okay, I'm gonna address two things, because there's really two things that you are bringing up in this tweet. Um, the first is, are the Orioles getting overlooked? I think the answer to that is yes. I absolutely think the answer to that is yes, and I think there's multiple reasons for that. The Orioles are a strange team. Now, whatever day you're listening to this, they're either in first place by half a game or half a game out of first place. They're hovering around first place. Okay. They're a very strange team because... They are playing better than the, the sum of their parts. I do believe that. When you take a look at this team, now every team has injuries. Every team has injuries. And so there's this notion of, well, they, they're having, they have their share of injuries. Everyone has their injuries. Everyone. So that's not really a, a you know, big issue here. Um, you're looking at the squad. You know, they have... So big power numbers for some players. Trumbo obviously has been an unbelievable addition to the team. Uh, and this essentially has taken over for the Nelson Cruz role. I know Cruz wasn't there last year, but they had a big vacuum of power in their team after Nelson Cruz left for Seattle. So putting Trumbo in there, all of a sudden, they have that balance of power within their lineup. They're not getting a – you look at the team – and they don't, they're not getting a superstar season out of Chris Davis. They're not getting a superstar season out of Adam Jones. And if you take a look at their starting rotation, um, with the exception of Chris Tillman, their starting rotation is ordinary at best and crap at worst. Gallardo's been nothing. Jimenez has been having a terrible year. Gosman's been, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really look at, at win-loss record because I don't think that really reflects how well you're pitching. So it's tough when you, look at, when you look at their rotation and you look at some of the players that you expect to see be the superstars leading the team. And with the Orioles' case, that would be Davis and Jones, and neither one of them are having the elite seasons that you would expect. Uh, I think that that's sort of, it, they look like a team that's been winning with smoke and mirrors. They look like a team that, quite frankly, uh, you think, well, if any team's going to, who's in first place right now, is going to fall off the horse and, and lose the division, be kind of like the way Milwaukee was a couple of years ago, where they were in first place, you know, past the all-star break, and then they fell apart. You know, you can say, okay, they're, they're, probably going to be that team you know they have a plus 35 run differential which is you know it's, it's not great they've been outscored this month you know so they're not exactly playing 
inspired baseball. And you look at, you know, in, in one-run games, they're barely over 500. In extra inning games, they, they, they're not – you take a look at some of this, the, the stats, the, the extended stats of this team, and they look like a team that should be hovering around 500. And yet, they're not. They're about 15, 16 games above 500 at this point. And they're in the thick of it. And would be, you know, if they win the division, chances are they'll have home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. So why are people shortchanging them? I think that I think that Manny Machado is putting together a season where he has a very good chance to win the MVP of the league. Uh, if I vote and I don't have a vote, uh, I would vote for. Um, uh, Trout, because I think he's the best player in baseball. He won't win if the Angels are a bad team, and they are a bad team. Um, I, I don't agree with the logic behind that, but you know that's just the way it is. You know, the Altuve's and the Donaldsons and the Mookie Betts of the world will also get consideration. But I think Machado, if the Orioles win the division, Machado has an outstanding chance to be the most valuable player of the league, and you can make a compelling argument for that. And it's also tough to sort of, when you look at a team whose pitching staff strength is their bullpen. And between Britton and Brock and, and some of the other pitches they have in their bullpen, they have a, they have a tremendous bullpen. A, an MC Hammer can't touch this bullpen. And I think it's also, it's a Buck Showalter team. So they're going to, Buck Showalter teams have a tendency of playing better than the sum of their parts. I think they're a team that not a lot of people had a tremendous amount of expectations going into this year. And so they're playing better than we think. And I don't think anyone in the AL East is necessarily, you know, is playing in a way that you're like, oh, they're an absolute world beater. You know, as of this recording, the AL East would have three, count them, three playoff teams. Red Sox, Orioles, and Toronto with Houston hanging around just behind them. And Houston and Altuve, I mean, Houston could very well overtake the Rangers. And if that's the case, Altuve very well may win the AL MVP as well. It is a heyday for middle infielders from, with teams that have orange in their colors between Manny Machado and Jose Altuve. But I think it's because we feel like the Orioles have been winning with smoke and mirrors that maybe they're getting the short end of the stick because we're not that we're not 100% sure what the hell they are. Are they a really good pennant contender or are they a team that's okay that has played above their head? Now, I think if Baltimore gets in on this Chris Sale nonsense, then I'd say, "Man, they could win it. They could absolutely win it." If there's any team that needs an ace right now, it's the freaking Orioles. You put an innings-eating ace at the top of the Orioles' rotation with the bullpen they have and the way that they have a lineup that has pop between Machado and Trumbo where they can absorb a subpar season from Davis and Jones and maybe ask David Jones, hey, you're not going to have your big superstar year. Give us a last good month and a half. Put the aft thrusters on. Trust me, I'm a Red Sox fan. The Red Sox have flaws. Toronto has flaws. This is a winnable division for those three teams. And Baltimore is as good as any to win it. 
and get home field advantage in the division series. And this is an American League. Like right now, as I'm recording this, the teams in the American League that are in it, uh, or playoff teams, Cleveland Indians, Texas Rangers, Baltimore Orioles, Red Sox, and the, uh, and the Blue Jays. There is not one super team in that mix. There's not one team that you look at and go, oh, man, come World Series time. Woo! Woo! Can't, they're, they're the team to beat. Who's the team to beat in that bunch? Right now, I'd say Cleveland, but Cleveland is up and down. I would have said Texas a few months ago, but then, you know, Texas can't win anything. This is one of the most winnable American leagues I've seen since, oh, I don't know, last year or the year before. We have parity in the American League. And so you, you make it to the postseason, you've got a shot to probably get creamed by a National League team. Unless you happen, the Royals won last year. Who knows? You don't know what's going to happen. This is why if you are a team like Baltimore or Houston or the Indians or the Astros that are kind of teetering on the edge, yeah, it's worth mortgaging your future. Yeah, it's worth a couple of your best prospects because you may never get it together like this. And Baltimore, they're a team that doesn't jump off the page at you because the names you don't necessarily associate with them with the exception of Machado, are the ones doing the heavy lifting, and they seem to be winning with smoke and mirrors. There's no sign of disrespect. It's just, yeah, they caught us a little off guard. But here's the thing I need to ask you, David Renard. Why do you care what the national media has to say? This seems to me to be a lingering problem that, like, uh, uh, sort of like, you know how we have in our DNA still some remnants of a tail when our, our, our ancestors had a tail and now we don't have a tail anymore. There's some of that genetic information and it's worthless, it's meaningless. Well, that sort of genetic material is still there by wondering what the national media has to say to it. That is a remnant of the ESPN era when what led off on SportsCenter really dictated what the national conversation was in sports. I don't have a clue what the national media is saying. Now, of course, I'm a Red Sox fan, and I know the Red Sox are a team that the national media salivates over. Do you know why? Because they make more money when the Red Sox do well. They make more money when New York teams do well. There are more New York fans across the country, more Boston fans across the country. I'm an example. I don't live in New England. I haven't lived in New England since 1987. I'm still a diehard Red Sox fan. Not a lot of Arizona Diamondback fans living in Boston. So the national media used to push, uh, uh, or probably still does push, narratives to move the needle, get ratings, and make more money. Why the hell do you care about that? I don't watch SportsCenter anymore. I have customized how I get news and what I get news about to fit what I want to know. I want to know baseball stuff. I want to know trade rumors. I want to follow certain comedians. I want to follow certain podcasts. I want to follow certain things politically. I want to follow certain things movie-wise. And 
of things that don't fit into that net swim on by. I don't catch, unless there's something so huge, whether it's an upheaval in Turkey or some other big, huge event like the Brexit, that doesn't really pass my radar. There was some, I don't know, was it Miley Cyrus or, or some feud between her and, um, Christ, I don't remember his name. Some, uh, some other big uh, pop star was going on. I don't know who they were. I don't know what they were arguing about. It ne- doesn't cross. Is it not in my, my peripheral vision? No, then it doesn't exist. How certain teams are covered, what we're focusing on, who is drafted in the NFL draft, I don't know. It doesn't enter my net. So why do you care what the national media is covering? Why is it, why does it even, how is that even an issue? Well, well, you might as well be saying the town crier didn't say something in the center of town. The media can be adjusted for what you want to know. And if, you, if what you want to know is Baltimore Orioles stuff, then guess what? Your news feed will be nothing but Orioles stuff. And trust me, I work in the tech world right now. They have the damn algorithms. They will go to your, your, your Google, your Yahoo, whatever it is that you have on your front page, and they will be, hey, Kevin Gossman bought a turkey club sandwich. And that will be ahead of whatever news Obama did. So don't worry about the national media. Worry about the David Renard media. That's you. Your feed to the media is going to be different than mine. It's going to be different than, than, than uh, you know, Lisa Swan's. It's going to be different than my mom's. It doesn't matter. Who cares? If you're an Orioles fan, why the hell do you care? Be happy your team's in first place. I know tons of people who are Kansas City Royal fans. Trust me, going into the season, even though the Royals were one swing away from winning the 2014 World Series, the Royals weren't getting tons and tons of attention, except for, oh my God, there are too many Royals in the All-Star game. Because, of course, we all know what a tragedy it would have been to have the defending American League champions who went on to win the World Series be well represented in the, world, in the All-Star game. So David Renard, don't worry about it. The Orioles are doing better. Than, I, I thought they were not going to be a good team this year. I thought they were going to be like the Angels and have a collapse. Good for Buck Showalter. Good for Mark Trumbo. Good for Dan Duquette. Good for the Baltimore Orioles. Good for the smiling bird on their cap. You know, they're turning into an every other year team like the Giants. 2012. 2014, 2016, make the playoffs. Ba-boom! Va-ba-ba-doo! So don't care what the national media says. Do you know why? It doesn't mean piddly-poo to you. Don't focus on stuff that, that doesn't affect your life. That's ancient times. We might as well be talking about the Peloponnesian War as opposed to the Baltimore Orioles. So, 
David Renard. I've overlooked them because I underestimated them. Do you consider me the national media? I hope so. I would like to be paid as such. So the podcast will conclude when we figure out what the hell happened to Chris Sale. Okay, I'm reading a tweet right now from uh, Tommy Stoke. Stokey? Stoke? Not sure how to pronounce the name, saying that Chris Sale didn't want to wear the throwback uniforms, so he cut the jerseys up so no one could wear them. I, I don't know if I believe that. I want to believe that and not want to believe that at the same time. This is getting weird. Okay, um, I've been here. I'm driving my car right now. Evidently, this this uniform story has legs. Evidently, Chris Sale didn't want to wear the throwback uniforms and and the ones with the collars on it, and he cut them up. What? <laughs> wow. Um, evidently, it is real. There's some whole cutting up of the uniform thing. Evidently, it's real. I don't know much more about it, and neither do you. As we learn more about it, I will talk about it here on the podcast. Hopefully, we'll have enough so we can do a Monday podcast about it. But hey, uh, what a bananas day this has been. And also, as a Red Sox fan, I just want to point out David Price. Yikes. The Red Sox scored nine runs in a game that David Price started, and they lost. The most disturbing part about it is... No Red Sox fan is surprised. This is our supposed ace. Wouldn't it be something if the Red Sox make the postseason in spite of David Price? Uh, who won baseball? It would be uh, Nelson Cruz homer twice, uh, one of them being a grand slam. Mariners beat the Blue Jays 14-5. to Trevor Story, unbelievable that he's still doing this. He got a couple of home runs, went 4-4. Four for four. Stole a base. Yeah, I know he's doing the course field, but it's not like he's playing it in zero gravity. Uh, Kevin Gosman of the Orioles, an Orioles-themed podcast today. Seven shutout innings, and the Orioles are now in first place by a game and a half. Yikes. Thank you, David Price. Max Scherzer, ten strikeouts in seven innings. Didn't get the win, but the Nationals did for uh, against San Diego. Uh, half wobs of Dougal Herrera, got on base four times, scored twice, stole a couple bases. Ivan Nova pitched really well against the Giants, but the Yankees' bullpen lost in 12, and Michael Saunders got two home runs in that game for the Blue Jays against Seattle. So if you can be scored at home, Nelson Cruz, Trevor Story, Kevin Gosman, and Max Scherzer got full wobs, half wobs to Michael Saunders. Did I say Michael Saunders? Max Scherzer. Michael Saunders, Duba Herrera, and Yvonne Nova. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Swerve on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. All right, Chris Sale has scissors, and uh, I'm sure the national media will cover that. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 24th day of July 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please don't cut my shirts, but you can call me Sully.